I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the Junkyard Dogcast, everybody. I'm Jake Rowe, Dogs 24-7. Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell, also of Dogs 24-7. And, uh, boys, we're in some uncharted waters here. Uh, it, you know, it, Pretty much the world is shutting down more and more every day because of the coronavirus. Uh, it, it was announced on Tuesday. Uh, no spring practice, uh, basically. I mean, you know, that's completely been shut down. No spring games. Uh, you know, the, the SEC is shutting down all uh, athletic-related activity uh, for the rest of the athletic uh, year, which, I, if I'm not mistaken, ends maybe sometime in June. Uh, that wasn't specified, but I, I'm pretty sure that's when it is. And, uh, you know, it's a bummer. It's a bummer for everybody. I mean, I was really excited. Uh, spring practice at Georgia would have began uh, on Tuesday, would have began on the day that we're recording this. And, and uh you know, obviously, this will probably be out later on tonight, but it, it just it just kind of sucks. Uh, there's no other way to put it, but at the same time, it's what we've got to do. It's the it's you know kind of dealing with what the the hand the the cars that are dealt to you. It's it's playing them, and and that's what everybody's got to do. I thought Kirby Smart and, and University of Georgia did a really good job getting their message out on Monday night with that video. I, I thought that was a really well done thing, and. As Georgia has has gotten into a habit of doing in terms of the video world, but uh, guys, I know quarantine over here at the Row household is uh, is is a struggle, and we're just like what forty eight hours in. What's it What's it like at the Mansell household, Rusty? Well, went through the surgery with a little one yesterday, and she's a lot better today, so that's good news. Uh, the old tonsils, adenoids. I guess everybody goes through that surgery as a as a youth and my oldest from college came home last night and you know jacked up and you know good to have her back and i think reality set in today when you know you start realizing that she's gonna be away from college and her friends for a long time so we gotta we gotta keep her like this we got a movie list of movies she's never watched and went we started going through them last night take in mind now she's 19 so she watched Jerry Maguire for the first time last night. She loved it. I'm going to hit her with an old school classic tonight. Uh, we're going to watch Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now she's seen. She's grown up. I raised her right. She's seen the the Top Guns and Bravehearts and all that good stuff. So don't get me wrong. Don't doubt me. Has she seen Roadhouse? Has she oh. seen Roadhouse? We're saving that for her 21st birthday. That's going to be a special moment. That's a big bear. It's a big bear. You know, she's already listen. I'll sum this up. You know I raised her right when she came home last night, and within the first hour she was like, Dad, please tell me Motley Crue is not canceling their summer tour. So that that's where I, that's where I am in Dad of the Year Award. Kip, what's it like over there at your place, man? I know you're. Uh, I know Rusty and I are probably a little jealous that you've got a Peloton at this point, and, and you're just ripping through your 
through your fitness routine while my my gym membership paying self is uh is trying to figure out alternate ways of of keeping from putting on more weight i'd love to be able to brag and say that i planned on this but i'm also not going to feel bad about hitting my hitting back-to-back prs on my peloton man i I broke 10 and a half miles in, in, in 30 minutes yesterday, got on it with bad intentions and, and felt pretty good about myself, but my quads are killing me right now. So, uh, you know, I'm paying the price for that, but also making some progress on the TV show list. It's definitely one of the positive uh, effects of, of everything that's been going on. Everyone is definitely getting caught up on their shows. I'm uh, always trying to keep you know, keep that list going on season three of a, an older show right now in, in Dexter. It's uh, definitely better than season two and really enjoying Better Call Saul this year. I think that show is it continues to climb up my list. It's, uh, you know, I didn't really get to enjoy Frasier as much as a lot of people. But for me, Better Call Saul, I mean, that's the best spinoff of my generation for sure just an incredible show for those who haven't watched that um you know watch breaking bad first of course but definitely follow up with better call saul i think at this point the writing is as good if not better than 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 breaking bad so really enjoying that right now but uh other than that uh kind of uh you know just wondering what the next step is and, and just trying to react to a kind of a, a new, a new quality of life right now. I think everything's different for all of us right now, but for me being at home every day, uh, I, I'm kind of more prepared for this than most are right now. So it hasn't really changed too much with me. Yeah. I feel like all this rain that, that we'd been getting may have gotten us prepared for this to an extent. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, I'll say this, um, you know, I, I've got, you know, two kids under four and, uh, four, you know, I got one, four, one, 11 months old. And, and, uh, that, that can be a challenge. You know, there's that, uh, there's that, you know, the, the four-year-olds asking a ton of questions. And we started talking to her about coronavirus yesterday and boy, oh boy, have, have I had some questions to answer, uh, and, and some, and some emotional breakdowns about who's going to get sick and who's not. But, uh, you know, her, her birthday's coming up. We're probably going to have to end up canceling that. Uh, my sister-in-law's wedding's already gotten canceled for April the 3rd. And uh, my son's birthday party, first birthday party, is going to probably be canceled as well. So, uh, you know, it's, it's this is definitely just kind of unlike anything I've kind of ever dealt with in, in 36 years. Um, I, I guess a lot of people probably have that. And, and it's just going to be interesting. I just saw where the, you know, the state of Kansas just canceled, you know, K through 12 the rest of the year. I mean... I don't know how these states are going to handle this and all that. It's unprecedented, as you say, but that that tells you where we're at when a state in the middle of the country, Kansas, on March 17th says we're done with K through 12 for the rest of the year. So um, that's craziness to me. Absolutely. And, you know, that, that that brings us to the reason everybody listens to us. They want to hear us talk about the University of Georgia and, and, and specifically Georgia football and uh, I guess I just want to kind of talk about what does it look like right now? Uh, you know, the players are back home, uh, you know, all of them, I presume. Um, maybe there's a couple, two or three on campus that live far, far away. Maybe not. I really don't know. Um, uh, I, I guess they're all gone. I mean, I know campus is shut down, but there are some 
kids who live further away that they're trying to accommodate right now. I don't know if that may, you know, work for some players or not. I'm not, I'm not sure how that works. Uh, but Rusty, what is it, you know, it, we all have our way of imagining it because we don't really know everything that's going on. We may know this kid's circumstance or that kid's circumstance because we've built relationships with people around them uh, over the years from their recruitment and stuff. But from your understanding and your mind's eye, what does it look like? What are they doing right now? You know, Kip texted me a question the other night and was talking about people working off campus and uh, they're able to do those things where you – uh, if you were signed, like when Tate Ratledge officially signed with Georgia, for example, because I know Tate being close, when Tate Ratledge officially signed with Georgia, he got his off-season workout packet. And I remember seeing him um, at the Army, all, the, the, the All-American Bowl. It's so hard not to say Army. At the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. And he had completed a couple of those workouts. And I remember him going, oh, my gosh, that those things are going to be hard. So they're able to get those here. Here is where, um, because I've known a lot of people that play, play college football, a couple of my high school best friends play college football. I remember them working out in the summer and you do those off season workouts. You're doing the best you can, but it's not like when you've got a strength coach, you got those other guys, you're not taking that last couple of reps off and, you know, not everybody's Nick Chubb. Let's just be honest. Not everybody can can push themselves like that. But here's the the the, the thing I will say: every college in America is dealing with this. Georgia is not at a disadvantage because of this. Um, I think we'll get into more. I think, and, and we'll get into this subject. Touch it if you want to in a minute, Jake. I think the biggest thing that could hurt Georgia is the lack of off season. These guys are not together. The seven on seven training. Jamie Newman working with these guys. Uh, Carson Beck working with these guys. All those timing things are huge going into practice. And I don't, Jake, Kip, I don't know when that's going to resume. I'm not talking about practice. I'm talking about in the indoor, you know, 12, 14 scholarship wide receivers, four quarterbacks, and they're throwing routes, which is a big deal. And that's why they have OTAs in the offseason in the NFL. That's what that is about. You're not just going to step up in there couple weeks in August and think this thing's going to be crisp and ready to rock. But I will say, uh, to my knowledge, this time, everybody is dealing with this. Uh, the workouts are going to be self-disciplined. We, we, you know, our little text thread today, we're talking about the Instagram stuff Scott Sinclair's putting out. Are these guys doing what they're supposed to do? Because it's not really a problem if this thing is two or three weeks and they get back on campus just, say, April 5th and able to work out. If these guys can't get back on campus to mid-April or mid-May, I mean, something like that, to me, you're going to find out in the fall who was doing work during this time because this is such a critical, critical time. And, um, you know, we could talk the rest of the show about this, but, Jake, I'll get your opinion. Think about Alabama. Did they hire a good strength coach? Yes, they hired a good strength coach. He hasn't been there long enough to implement kind of his standard and what he does. So, you know, what disadvantages Alabama at right now, you know, obviously they got a program, but when you start working with guys, you know uh, what you're expected, you know, out of him and what you expect out of your players and each individual player. So there's so many questions of what is going on right now. Uh, obviously we're putting the world in perspective, but for this podcast, we're talking about sports and are people 
actually doing what they're supposed to do? And when will these kids get back on campus to get time together are huge questions that'll be answered down the line. That's a good point you bring up about Alabama because, you know, they don't yet know how the new strength coaches are, are call them out for not doing what they're supposed to do in their own time. They don't know what it's going to look like if they do report out of shape. You know, there, there are certain, you know, relationships you build where, hey, I know if I let this guy down, this is what it's going to look like, and this is why I'm not going to let him down. And and, and they, they're not dealing with that. Everybody's dealing with their own unique challenges. I mean, you brought it up, not just Jamie Newman, but Todd Munkin, um, Matt Luke, who, who had a little bit of time to work with Georgia's offensive line during the uh, – during the bowl practices, that, that's a challenge for Georgia because, you know, offense usually comes together a little slower than defense does. And, uh, you know, not only are these guys unable to stay in shape because there's there's nothing like playing a football game to get in shape and, and do that. You know, you can't even mimic that in practice with running on top of it. There's just a different intensity level to it. But there's also – there's nothing like working out with your team and and like you said seeing that other guy get those last couple reps or or seeing that other guy you know meet a personal best and the energy that comes with it and all that that's that's not there and and I do know this I do know how these coaches are wired being around them as long as I have they are all it's much easier to swallow knowing that everybody else is going through it if this was just you know, Southeast states going through this, these SEC coaches would be having a hard time sleeping at night knowing that other schools were able to get this in. I mean, they wouldn't be able to, I mean, they'd be racking their brains. But since everybody's dealing with it, I think it makes them, makes it a little easier for everybody to swallow. But Georgia has their own unique uh, challenges that go with this thing too. And, and, and that's going to make it tough. I mean, it really is because all of that newness on the offensive side of the ball, I will say this though, the depth that Georgia has on the defensive side of the ball, if, sure. if you are unable to participate in these offseason workouts and get in the shape, because this sport is a year, this sport is year round now because of the the type of shape that these guys have to be in to to play with the intensity level, snap after snap after snap, and the fact that Georgia played 25 guys on defense last year, probably going to play that at least that many on this year's defense. That may put Georgia at a little bit of an advantage on that side of the ball, but they're a little bit of a disadvantage on the offensive side because everybody was so happy that Jamie Newman was going to come in and he was going to participate in spring ball and he was going to get 15 practices sure. and sure. and Todd Munkin was going to get a chance to put his offense in and do some install and that's all out the window now and it's going to be condensed and I'm interested to see and I wrote a column on this uh, yesterday how the NCAA handles it. Do they make it a free-for-all basically for a couple weeks in July where coaches can – have as much time as they want. Another thing these guys are missing is a couple of hours a week meeting with position coaches and and meetings and and you know walkthroughs and stuff they can do without a football and you know all of that's out the window and it's it's kind of tough. Kip, uh, same question I asked Rusty, man. Your mind's eye, what does it look like to you? What are these guys doing to kind of uh, stay in college football mode and and keep this thing going? I think as far as the offseason, like just conditioning, they're obviously going to be getting a similar plan to that of what all the signees are going to be getting. I mean, they, they all had that that offseason workout plan. That was something they wanted everybody to do. I would think at this point they're all trying to do that in their home. But, I mean, just as we discussed, as far as, you know, Scott Sinclair, he can only, he can only give 
so much to everyone as far as them having to, you know, when them working out of their, their home, they don't have access to, you know, Georgia's facilities. They don't have access to most likely facilities nearby at this point. So they're, they're limited in what they're able to use. And if they don't have access to weights in general, then they can only do body weight, you know, exercises. They can only do whatever they are able to do in, in their own backyard in their, you know, in their own house. So that, that might work for me, someone who's just trying to stay in shape and look like, you know, I'm not completely lethargic all the time, but for an SEC athlete, that's a huge challenge. I mean, these guys, you just think about the different positions we're talking about here with, you know, with having six, four, 240 pound linebackers, you know, that are, you, you want those guys to be as explosive as possible, you know, have an offensive lineman. You want these guys to be able to really, you know, get a good punch at, at the uh, point of attack. You want these guys to have different levels of athleticism and strength and power than what you or I would be able to do at home in our workouts. So that's a huge challenge, but I got to agree with you guys. I mean, just not being able to, for Jamie Newman, not being able to, to get that install in the spring and being able to get those reps at chemistry uh, with his playmakers. And when we talked about the impact this time last year of Georgia losing its wide receivers might have with Jake Fromm as far as chemistry, as far as just being able to, to get that timing down. And just for those guys to have that experience, Georgia's going to have to overcome that uh, with this offense, with, with Jamie Newman, with you know guys like Zamir White and, and James Cook, just getting the offense on the same page. And that's something that some other SEC programs won't have as much as Georgia as far as the challenge. I mean, you look at Auburn and Bo Nix. You know, you, you you look at you look at Florida with Kyle Trask. You know, those teams are not going to have to really worry as much about what that offense is going to look like th- this fall because they have experience coming back at quarterback. They have the same you know systems in place. So we talk about Alabama having to overcome. Uh, you know, a new new strength new strength and conditioning program. Georgia's got a challenge that's unique to them at, at the offensive coordinator and quarterback offense position. That that really you know just kind of stands out to me going into the summer when we don't know if they're going to let you know schools have April and May. If they're going to let them have that in June and July, are you going to let schools just go straight into the season after June and July without a break? I just don't know if they're going to be able to do that if we're going to keep the same regular season schedule, which is a whole other question. You know, are we going to start on time during the season? And if we are, that means we're either going to have three straight months of, of, of practice, or we're going to have a much abbreviated uh, level of practice, which is more likely. And it's something that's really going to affect Georgia more than a lot of other teams in the conference. Jake, let me bring this up. Kit makes a good point there. And <clears throat> before I say anything about this kid, I spent a week with him and I think this kid's a superstar. I mean, I think Bryce Young is a flat out it's, it's easy to say now, but you can go back and, and stuff that I wrote and mentioned that, that I thought Tua was a, a freak show. I thought Tua was that guy after spending a week with him. I think Bryce Young is an outstanding football player. He has the it factor. Ball comes out of his hand, gains speed, can run. Very intelligent young man. Now, saying that, he's not going through spring practice at Alabama. 
the first time he's going to stand in front of an SEC crowd will be, you know, in Tuscaloosa later in, in, you know, God willing in September. And his third game will be if he is playing, uh, which I anticipate him playing some will be against Georgia. So think about, you know, we start talking about other schools and you start thinking about Alabama with Georgia, they've got a graduate transfer, a guy that's been through it, uh, you know, a grown man, Bryce Young, who I think is an absolute star in the making. But him not going through spring practice is going to be a big deal, I think, going into the summer. Uh, we'll see how they, he's able to uh, adapt in the fall early on. But I think long-term, this guy is, is huge. But, uh, you know, that's a question for Alabama, not getting him those reps during the spring. Yeah, absolutely, and and you even look at Auburn and replacing those defensive linemen that they've got to replace the 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 Derrick Browns and Marlon Davidsons, Nick Coe. I mean, they've got their challenges, and and you know Florida, Florida has to replace a lot of new guys on defense and and new edge rushers, and they're they're they've got guys that have to get used to the scheme as well and there there's a lot of change that that's going to take place at a lot of different schools everybody's got it in their own specific areas georgia's just happens to be on offense and it's not and and you know kip and i bring that up about georgia about the about the challenges for the offense and and rusty you did too but that everybody has their version of that nobody is bringing back everybody it's just not the way the sport works anymore if if you're successful if you're a contender then it usually means you did something the year before to give people the impression and when you do something year before to give people the impression it's usually because you had really good players veteran leadership and and guys that were moving on and, and having a chance to go in the nfl draft and you look at a team like lsu and all that they lost, that mass exodus after winning the national championship, hurts them a lot as well. And uh, you know everybody's dealing with something, and and it's it's just whoever can get through it the best, whoever's leadership is it was established before this all happened is gonna be is gonna be at a benefit. And 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 as I mentioned with Georgia's defense, I mean as many guys as have played uh, major snaps and 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 got the experience that they needed last year, uh, that's going to be an area where I think George is going to be a little ahead of the game. And, and it's always good to kind of, to kind of have that. Uh, I'll say this too. And, and, and it is, to me, it's, it's a bit, to me, it's, it's a big deal. Uh, it may not be as big a deal to anybody else, but you know, how this impacts the early enrollees and, and not just that, but like young players, like you mentioned with, with Bryce Young, coming in i mean georgia's looking at a situation where they're having to replace their two tackles well all of a sudden all of a sudden xavier truss and and warren mcclendon who were going to have a full spring to work with matt luke on that offensive line and get a head start that's not there so maybe you're looking at at a tate ratledger broderick jones chad lindberg austin blasky uh you know all of these offensive linemen coming in for georgia the 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 playing field is much more level for those guys now because odds are very they're good. gonna they're gonna be jumping headfirst into this thing in the summer, uh, about the same time that everybody else is getting back involved, and, and then you're dealing with that. Also, I'll bring this up too, and we'll get we'll get into this maybe a little bit more on the other side of the break, which is coming up. But the guys that listen, you're not if you're not enrolled, you're not that you're not in you're not qualified until you graduate, and who's gonna be disciplined enough as a high school student? to finish your stuff out when you don't have a teacher, you don't have tutoring, you don't have all of that stuff. Are you going to finish out your, you know, your online classes or your distance learning or whatever they're doing at this point 
to get graduated on time so that you can get to campus. That's another huge factor because if you let it slip and you fail a class or two and you don't end up getting enrolled, that's a big deal. And and uh, that that's something you also have to do. Let's take a break real quick. We'll talk about recruiting on the other side and, and maybe a couple more things. Kip brought up a really good point before the show, and I'm going uh, to throw it to him because he uh, I, something I hadn't even thought about concerning the NFL draft. But let's take this break real quick, and we'll talk recruiting on the other side. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, guys. And, and Rusty, starting with you. Man, what the heck does recruiting look like right now? Uh, I mean, that's that that can't be easy on these staffs. It's not. And I'll, I'll tell you this, and, and I was on with, with Chuck Dowd and those guys on Bulldog Roundtable, um, who always has all of us on. We appreciate that from those guys over at 680. Kirby Smart is recruiting. And if I can say Kirby Smart's recruiting his ass off, I'll go ahead and say that on here. I'm not sure if I can or not. This guy is wired to recruit. Now, he's not – is he quarantined? Yeah, wherever he is, he's quarantined. I mean, there's – everybody's seen – we're all in some form quarantined right now. So, it's not like his world has stopped. The guy went out of country on vacation somewhere, some island came back, and Kip has all the details or whatever, and the guy has not stopped recruiting. In fact, I was just curious. So, I called a couple last night. And text a few. And I did talk in detail with Smile Munden, who is the four-star, um, one of the top linebackers in the country from Paulding County High School. And I asked him, I said, are you still hearing from these guys? He goes, oh, yeah. I mean, I'm hearing from the head coaches now. And, you know, these guys are they are all hitting me. So recruiting, when you're sitting around as these guys and they have, quote, unquote, more time and not meeting, um, you know, these guys are going to be recruiting. And Kirby Smart is going to be calling guys, uh, each staff member. I would imagine each staff member has a list they call every single day. Every single day. I ran into a Georgia coach probably about a year and a half ago at a school. And I asked him, I said, hey, you know, what is your daily schedule like? You just go pick some, you know, you, you're in this area. He goes, no, 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 no. This thing is pre-planned, and you have to hit so many schools a day, and you turn that stuff into Kirby Smart. Like, Kirby Smart knows where you are and who you saw. That's the type of detail, and that's what separates. You know, I say these guys are alpha recruiters. There's five or six as head coaches. There's 10 or 12 around the country as, as uh, you know, assistant coaches that are straight alphas. That's the type of detail. So I guarantee you this. Those guys are making those calls, and they're letting the staff, as a meeting when they come, right, who did you talk to? Okay, and how'd that go? And 
that's how those things go down. And recruiting hasn't slowed. The problem is, and me and Kip know this, that the visits are done for who knows how long. And that's, that is where, uh, this is take smile. For example, as I wrote today in that, in the little ramblings I did, he had a visit that for two months had been planned. Now he had to pay for this on his own two months. Him, I think his father and his head coach were going to Oklahoma for two days, fly out, watch practice, spend the night, visit, watch practice and fly back. And he told me, he said, man, I don't, I don't know that I can make that up. Now he may go out there on an official visit, but you know, my kind of rule of thumb is you want to get an out of state prospect on campus twice, at least twice. And, and, and that's, that was a thing that, that, that was a thing that, um, that, um, you look at him, and, and, and this recruiting has just stopped. I mean, it is dead still as visit-wise, and what are these guys going to do? We're all learning every single day. Absolutely, and and here's the thing, and, and Kip, this is something I want you to weigh in on. Uh, I remember, and, and this this is kind of uh, both a question and kind of a insight for those listening on kind of the way we deal with things, but I remember talking with you years ago. We weren't even working at the same network at the time, and and you talk you this is from the from the recruiting reporter standpoint we were talking about how you know guys you you call guys and you may not even remember this but you call guys and you tell them where you're from and you don't want to necessarily let them know like you're trying to get an update for a specific fan base because you want to get their kind of raw thoughts so you know you say hey I'm I'm Jake Rowe with with 24/7 Sports well that kid gets six calls from guys and it That's may right. be Jake Rowe from from Dogs twenty four seven maybe Jake Rowe from or maybe you know Steve Wiltfong from let's say Clemson two four seven site and then there's an Alabama guy there's you know all of these people are from twenty four seven but they're 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 saying they're all from twenty four seven and not the specific site and so these kids feel like hey I've gotten six calls this week from twenty four seven sports well relate that to a college Kip. How much effort do you think goes into like these coaches and like, hey, we want to be in contact, we want to be in constant contact, we want to be showing the love, but we don't want to overdo it. Yeah, how much thought and how much planning do you think goes into that part of it? That's just one of those things. It's like you have to find out who the decision maker is in a recruit circle. It's one of the things we talk about a lot when we're covering some of these prospects. Who is the main person a recruit is going to lean on for advice when all is said and done? That's one thing college coaches want to know early on. They also want to know what that prospect is like. Is this a guy that wants us to kind of stay, you know, stay even keel with him and just kind of give him some space? Or is this the or is he a kid that that really likes to know that he is a high priority every day. Some recruits love that stuff and some recruits, you know, it, it could really rub them the wrong way. So that's something that it's why Kirby has built a staff full of recruiters to, to know these things. They, they've been around the block. They know that that's something you need to find out very early on in the recruitment. How, what makes this recruit tick is, you know, his behavior, his preferences, talk to his, his high school coaches, his trainers, his seven on seven coach, his, his relatives, find out how, how he prefers to be recruiting and, and, and lock that in. I mean, I would not be surprised if they have, you know, they have this all on file. You, you pull up a recruit. If you're, if you're not the position coach, you're the area recruiter, you could probably pull up, you know, Barrett Carter's uh, profile 
in, in that recruiting office at Georgia and, and see not just that he's from North Gwinnett and he's a top 100 linebacker, but that, you know, he's he got a big track, you know, had a big track meet coming up or his favorite NBA team is the Warriors. That kind of secondary info that gives you a, a leg up and, and, you know, what he wants to talk about, how often he prefers that contact to come. And that's, you're right. I mean, in a time like this where you can't get someone on campus as much as you want, you can't get face-to-face, you really have to, to know how to navigate uh, this, which basically an extended dead period right now. And I think, you know, for the in-state guys like that, I think Georgia's in a good a good spot. I mean, at certain positions, uh, Georgia should be able to, to kind of, go through navigate this unknown and and be fine you know linebacker uh offensive line uh, rusty's talking about guys not being able to get on campus the in-state guys georgia's been able to get those guys on campus they'll get them on campus again i mean amarius mims uh the offensive tackle from blakely county you know michael morris the offensive tackle from Canyon county those in-state guys that's not going to be a huge deal for georgia this cycle but when you start talking about running back Donovan Edwards from Michigan, you know, having a guy like Tony Grimes from Virginia, five-star cornerback, these are guys that Georgia did plan on getting on campus again this spring, some of them in the month of March. And these visits are crucial for a program like Georgia that sells itself on getting these guys on campus letting them see the program, letting them see the atmosphere, letting them see Georgia in practice, letting them see the G-Day, that experience. I mean, we wrote how many stories about that first G-Day and the impact it had on recruiting that cycle. You know, having the uh, the the yeah. 96K 90, 90, day, or, you know, having the stadium full, multiple spring games. That was huge for multiple cycles. And, I mean, getting guys like Mikhail Sherman – you know, getting guys like Kendall Milton on campus that spring, that's really what solidified Georgia to be able to have the number one class last cycle, even though it was out of state heavy, was being able to get guys on campus multiple times. And and so that is something that Georgia is going to have to try to plan and, and overcome with a lot of these guys, because while the state of Georgia is, is strong once again, there are still some out-of-state positions that, that Georgia's going to have to battle for, you know, like D, like DB, defensive back, uh, wide receiver, and and running back. It looks like Georgia's going national, you know, trying to go national those positions. The, probably, you know, maybe their top tight end target, Brock Bowers, he's from California. So that's obviously going to be a, a challenge to, to get him on campus multiple times whenever this thing does open up. And I mean, we're at that stage where, just as I said with practice, the NCAA is probably going to be hard pressed to figure out a good plan of, of allowing the coaches to be able to recruit and, and evaluate uh, the rest of the cycle. At this point, you know, maybe they're going to have to let an extra a support staff member just go on the road and evaluate and recruit throughout the season. Uh, you know, they're going to have to change the rules a little bit because they're just not going to have time to evaluate or, or uh, recruit these guys as, as they normally do. And so that's something that just for a complete NCAA perspective is going to be really interesting to see what they do. Do they let, you know, one coach stay on the road throughout the cycle? 
Uh, you know, that's something that, that I think they should probably evaluate the pros and cons and think about. And, and just the overall recruiting cycle, I think now with the early signing period, I, I never really thought that was something that was set up for coaches to accelerate the process. I thought the whole point of that was for recruits that knew where they wanted to go. They could lock it in and, and finish the process early and coaches could lock their guys in and focus on just one or two guys after. So I don't really think it's a huge deal that they're not, they aren't having spring official visits because I just thought I never really thought that was a huge part of the process. But as far as just getting guys on campus, Georgia is one of those programs where that's a huge part of their recruiting pitch. And that's something that they're going to have to you know, try to overcome and, and fight to get guys on campus. And everyone's going to be fighting to get guys on campus in a cramped schedule now, because now we're looking at, you know, maybe toward the beginning of the season, everyone's trying to get guys, you know, in town for the games. That used to be something where schools would, would prefer it if you visited in December after the season, I don't see see that being the case now. I think every Saturday is going to be a free-for-all, and they are going to be battling to get these guys on campus for official visits. And it's going to be uh, very hectic. And I think Georgia, again, like I said, trying to get these guys, uh, you know, they're not going to have a problem recruiting. I just think the specific battles for the guys that we know about right now is going to crank up a notch. And I think that evaluations for a lot of guys – is going to be, you know, altered and affected by that. And so, you know, those that's, those guys that usually emerge in the spring, they just lost that opportunity. So it's just that's a new, you know, side effect of, of everything we're going through right now. I think I think one last comment, and I have no inclination on this, my personal opinion, I think they're going to open August up this year. And when they do that, that means kids can come in on Saturdays and watch teams scrimmage and practice again. Um, they may not allow coaches on the road. Coaches won't have time to get on the road at all. But I think they're going to open this thing up. And you know, high school kids are in. They're in. They're in um, practice as well. But they're not on the weekends. So you know, if a kid from Miami flies up to Florida State, or if a kid from Miami flies up to Georgia and spends a Saturday and Sunday, you know, unofficially, he can see a team practice twice. So that's one thing I thought about today. How can you get five weeks back? You can open August back up. And, and, and you know, they're losing. They already lost the month of February, first time ever. They're losing. They had, Georgia had one weekend in March. They're going to lose the whole month of March, uh, most likely. I can't see. Maybe something happens in April. Maybe if they lose that, we're going to get the time back. I think the key month will be August. We'll see. You Do know, you I can think, just – go ahead, Kip. Do you think they they open up the evaluation and and contact period in August? Do you think- that's that's the big part right there. Well, that that's the one thing that nobody's talking about is that that spring evaluation period. The problem the problem there is, college coaches will not want that, regardless of what's going on. Because at the end of the day, you got to concentrate on your team. Now y'all know when we had when evaluation was open in August, the the key thing was Kirby Smart, Nick Saban. Dabo Sweeney, everybody did Saturday morning scrimmages. Why did you do that? Prospects could come watch, and in the afternoons you could recruit. Because, what Jake, nine times out of ten, teams are off on Sundays, am I correct, during the month of August? Yeah, for the most part. So a kid can come in, spend the night, and then spend half a day on Sunday before they leave, either to fly out or to the – so I think that college coaches, they're going to ask these guys as well. They're going to ask their opinion. 
I think they're going to say, let's don't have evaluation period. Let's have on campus unofficial recruits. I do think, so I think, Kip, I know you know, I think it's June 21st through July 24th is the summer dead period. I could see them cutting some of that time. Uh, and who knows? We're talking about unprecedented. Maybe you get to a point where college coaches can go back to, to prospect camps. Maybe, you know, if Nike, Under Armour, who I'd be willing to have, I'd love to have an MVP camp. Uh, maybe these coaches get to go out and see those types of things in that month uh, to where they can go out. They have got to get some eval time back, but I think, in my opinion, the NCAA is going to be on the prospect side. They've got to get some visit time back so these kids can get on campus with their parents and see these places and meet with these coaches. Uh, I think that's going to be the priority. Um, like Kip just said, I thought it was great what Kip said. I mean, the, you know, some of these late bloomers, it's going to hurt. It's going to have to go back to film evaluation and trust in what you see. So, I mean, this is so interesting how this is going to unfold. And again, we all know they're bigger sports problems. They're wor- bigger world problems, obviously way bigger than sports. But we're talking down the line how it relates to this. And all this is going to be so interesting. Listen, the last thing I'll say here, who thinks outside the box? Who is going to be that team right now that does something that thinks outside the box that all the recruits like? How can you take advantage of selling your program with those kids not on campus, not being able to get to them? It's not just calling and FaceTiming a kid. What are you going to do different? What are you going to do to separate yourself to keep these guys' attention and keep them on your program during this downtime? We're about to find out with these support support staff guys who can really think outside the box. And you know there's going to be some creative things. You look at Georgia, what they did a couple years ago. They did the Top Golf thing where they – they, they dress up Sanford Stadium and they put the golf on the field and they have a driving a tee box up in the, in the bleachers. And, and, the, and prospects absolutely love that. That's thinking outside the box. What can somebody at Georgia, what can one of these major colleges do uh, to be creative and find a niche that these kids like? Who's going to come up with that idea that either the NCAA finds a way to make a rule against it or – that when yes. all of these all of these programs eventually come up with their contingency plans, because you know dealing with this unprecedented situation, they're all going to have this written in as far as a contingency plan going forward in case Very something good. even close to this happens. Who's going to come up with that idea that everybody has written in their contingency plan? That's right. That, you know that that's that's going to separate a lot of it, and and I'll say this, uh, you know, if this thing lasts long enough that the on-campus workouts in person are also affected, I mean, these coaches are going to be firing from the hip on prospects this cycle like we've never seen before. Because if they lose all of spring eval and then lose all of their, let's say, you know, t- you're not able to get back to it until July 31st or right before spring practice, which is feasible at this point based on, you know, kind of some of the comments we've heard about when, you know, this, you know, we might be able to get back to normal from this thing. Uh, you know, that, that, that's crazy. I mean, that's nuts. And these coaches, like I said, are going to shoot from the hip in the recruiting industry. We're going to be shooting from the hip a little bit, but I say this, it's, this is where having your class locked up by, you know, in the early signing period, kind of comes back and helps you a little bit because Kip was talking about that secondary info. When you've been working on the 2020 class for eight to 10 months already 
hard working on the eight, you know, 2020 class eight to 10 months already, you're much better prepared for this. If you were one of those teams that, yeah, I feel bad for brand new coaches staffs. I feel bad for your Sam Pittman's and your Lane Kiffins and, and, uh, and Mike Leach's out there who are just, just were getting their footing, uh, on, on their current campuses. And now, this kind of happens, and you're and and you're going to miss a ton of evaluation period, a ton of time where your coaches are going to be wearing their pullovers on other campuses during the spring and all that. That that's that's just going to suck. And and I also want to point this out, Rusty. You kind of hit on it for a second, but I want everybody to understand one thing: we're not sitting here saying, "Oh man, this all shouldn't be happening because these coaches are missing out on time." Not at all. I mean. It's just, you know, we're talking about the issue at hand. We completely understand why things are being done the way they're being done, why everything's been, sh- you know, been shut down. We all have loved ones that we want to protect, and and we're we're all in on, you know, the the, you know, social distancing and washing your hands and and taking care of everything and us coming together as a society to make all this happen. We're not kind of going against that. We're just talking about the issue at hand where our expertise is is in, is in college football and Georgia's fo- football specifically and and we're just discussing how this affects, you know, Georgia and, and other programs. Now, Kip, you said something before the show that kind of, I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe it shouldn't have been as crazy for me, but but as far as Georgia players in the NFL draft, and you had a guy you wanted to talk about specifically, these guys are heavily affected too. Yeah, I was writing up the uh, updated NFL draft rankings on CBSSports.com and just kind of logging in all the the rankings for the the different Georgia players. Whether it's you know Jake Fromm, obviously Solomon Kinley, DeAndre Swift, and you know I, I saw that there were a couple players in the rankings that did not uh, get invited to the NFL Combine, and I mean one really kind of caught my eye, and we were surprised when he didn't get invited to begin with, and that's defensive tackle Tyler Clark. You know, with with defensive linemen at a premium, uh, Tyler Clark being, you know, a standout for Georgia for multiple seasons, he was a guy that could have fared pretty well out there. And definitely we saw a lot of guys at the Combine that, you know, he may have had a better chance of of being drafted than some of the guys out there. But I look at the, uh, you know, the CBSSports.com ranking for him, and it's got him at number 229 overall. Number 22 among defensive tackles. You know, that's not bad. That's, you know, that gives him around a seventh round draft grade. But he's a guy that without the scouting combine, I mean, he was probably preparing pretty hard for Georgia's pro day. And obviously that's not going to happen right now. So Tyler Clark, you know, missed a major opportunity to improve his stock. You know, maybe he moves into that fourth, fifth round consideration with a strong pro day. You know, linebacker Tay Crowder is another one. Uh, a guy that you know finished his season pretty strong his career, I mean his career pretty strong at Georgia and, and beat out some really talented linebacker prospects that started Georgia for most of the last two seasons and was very strong in coverage at Georgia always you know seemed to be one of the first guys to the ball and, and he's ranked number 393 overall uh, so basically CBSSports.com is saying he would be an undrafted free agent. Now that's a guy that a lot of scouts would have been watching at Georgia's pro day. And he may have, you know, really impressed uh, a team or two and, and got himself selected as well. Or, you know, even uh, one of the first guys called as an undrafted free agent. So you got to imagine that, you know, just at, you know, programs all across 
uh, the country, a lot of guys got impacted by not being able to have and, and compete in a pro day. And so I just, that's just something that kind of stood out to me. There's, you know, we we're thinking about recruiting. We're talking about Georgia's team for next year, but the, the guys that just finished up their career at Georgia, uh, you know, even the guys that did go to the combine, some guys that maybe want to improve upon their performance, you know, maybe, uh, Jake Fromm would like to throw to receivers he's, you know, got more of chemistry with and, and, and improve upon his showing at the combine. Is There's just a lot of impact. The guys that were maybe coming off injuries, you know, like DeAndre Swift not being back to 100% Solomon Kinley, you know, a guy that didn't uh, do, perform any, any of the testing at, at the combine. You know, he had that opportunity to be healthy, uh, for pro day and come out there and maybe be a you know a day two day three pick for for a team looking for a, a guard in, in the draft. It's just another you know another impact that maybe didn't get talked about as much. Uh, obviously, the other two are more directly impacting the program moving forward. But you're just looking at the guys trying to get to the next level, which is obviously the goal uh, of all of these players. Uh, you know, going to Georgia and all these these other schools, trying to get to the NFL is still the you know that top goal, and it, it does seem like it is having kind of that secondary effect on on some of these guys. But luckily, playing at a program like Georgia, a lot of these guys have a lot of film that the NFL evaluators are going to be able to pour over and and still give them an opportunity to to make it at that stage. But, you know, right now they're going to have to get creative if they want to showcase, you know, their talents moving forward in the next month or so. They might have to record their own videos and, and send them out there, maybe do their own testing. So, you know, that's something they might have to look at and, and try to take every opportunity they can to, to send something to these teams, these scouts that are probably still interested and don't have the opportunity to see them in person. Uh, uh, Rusty, all of a sudden, you're dealing with an NFL combine where your stock coming out of the NFL combine may last as may have as much staying power as it's ever had before. If you came out of that combine, you know, on fire, oh, you you man. may be on fire come draft time, and that's not always the case. No, and. You know, I'll say the NFL Combine, all these guys that make it as free agents and all that kind of stuff, and the Tres Patrick Kip, you know, put a text to us on our group text about him. If you went to the Combine this year, it was invaluable. And I'm talking in, in another stratosphere invaluable because they got to evaluate you. The, you know, usually that defensive line board, you know, you got five or six guys you really like the Combine, you got four or five guys you want to work out. Well, if you don't get to work those four or five guys, guess what those other five six, other five or six guys become that you have data on? A huge priority. So, again, you know, unprecedented stuff we're dealing with here and just feel really, really bad uh, for these guys. You know, Tyler Clark is a guy that I think uh, is definitely a Sunday player. And uh, this whole situation with, with that deal is, um, you know, not written enough about what, what's going on there with those those guys. And, um it is just – I don't know how to put it, guys. This is shocking. This time last week, me, you, and Kip were sitting at a restaurant on Broadway in Nashville trying to decide what type of salad dressing we're going to have with a steak dinner. And seven, eight days later, the world has basically stopped. And it is absolutely crazy what is going on right now. I, I don't have any other words for it. I mean, I'm just – it's shocking. I keep reading stuff. This closed, this closed, this closed. This is off, you know. And uh, we look at the world of sports, man, and it the brakes have been put on it. I'm talking 
from top to bottom. And again, uh, we understand fully how, in the grand scheme of things, how trivial what we're talking about is. It's entertainment. Uh, we love our jobs, but we also understand how much more important life is. And for those of you guys, you out there that um, you know you're an hourly worker, or you don't have benefits, or uh, you, you know, that, that, you know, things have been closed down for you and, and it's tight or your kids aren't able to go to daycare right now. And you're trying to get all that figured out and you're struggling, maybe listening to us talk about Georgia football for a little bit has helped kind of pass the time for you. Uh, we're rooting for you, uh, rooting for everybody out there who's trying to struggle through this thing. It's, it's definitely had an impact on us all. And, uh, we were definitely, um, you know, definitely mindful of that. And, uh, you know, hopefully uh, we'll all be able to kind of come together and uh, the those the decision makers makers will make the right decisions and and this thing will blow over and we'll get, be able to get back to our lives as normal and uh, and and kind of get back to a point where where um, you know we're, we're able to kind of look forward to the luxuries maybe a little bit more than we're able to right now. Um, but but we're definitely thinking about you and, and I, I was talking to my wife earlier today. We were just talking about how you know just not really trying to quantify it, but just blown away at all the people that, that have just been affected by these things and their lives have been made harder. And, uh, you know, while I, I kind of feel that way myself, I know that there are people out there that have, is, is, is way more so. And, and we just want to acknowledge that. And, uh, you know, obviously we're going to be back with you guys. We got plenty more angles to talk about from, from this whole situation. We got still got plenty of Georgia football to look forward to and, and to talk about going forward. But for this show, that's all we've got. I'm Jake Rowe with Dogs 24-7. They're Kip Adams and Rusty Mansell. This has been the Junkyard Dogcast. You guys take it easy. Rise and shine, football fans. This is Susanna Fuller from Morning Footy, a podcast part of the CBS Sports Galazzo Network covering the breadth of the global game. Join me, Nico Cantor, Charlie Davies, Alexis Guerreros, and guests every morning for the perfect blend of news, analysis, conversation, and exclusive interviews. If you love soccer, then look no further. We've got you covered for Europe's top five leagues, the W Gold Cup, the Champions League Knockout Stage, CONCACAF Nations League, NWSL, MLS, Transfer News, and much more. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere podcasts are found. Subscribe to Morning Footy.